Cole Anthony is missing dunks and wearing Timberlands in the NBA All-Star Game dunk contest, and it's great for North Carolina. Meanwhile, a former Tar Heel nemesis is acting up, and most importantly, Carolina didn't lose a can't-lose game last night in the Dean Dome. That's all coming up on Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms, anywhere you get it Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find Locked On Tar Heels. I want to give a mea culpa right off the top here. On yesterday's show, on Monday's show, I said that uh, we would be up and running on YouTube this week. Uh, well, uh, you know, sometimes there's technical things that happen behind the scenes that just put production behind schedule. And so here's what we're going to do. This week, we're just going to keep rolling with the audio-only format. Next week, we're going to roll out YouTube. We're going to have all those technical things squared away, ready to go, and uh, sorry for everyone who got so excited and you were chomping at the bit, but uh, you know what? Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and so uh, you'll have your YouTube versions coming very soon. Before we get to recapping the Louisville game from last night, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's Trivia Tuesday right here. So, Here is today's question, and then I will answer it for you heading into today's third segment. Here we go. You ready? With Coach Hubert Davis at the helm of the Tar Heels, it seems to me appropriate to have a question about three-point shooting, especially because as as many threes as the Tar Heels take, these answers are probably going to change soon, so we got to get this answered now. Here's what your question is. I want the top ten, the players that make up the top 10 list for a single season. So the most made three-pointers in a single season in North Carolina history. And here's a hint. One player's on the list twice, so there's only nine players on this list. So, again, I want you to name the top 10 players for made three-pointers in a single season in Carolina history. And I'll answer that for you coming into the third section. But today we start off Carolina 70, Louisville 63, inside the Dean Sminner, uh, inside, what's a Sminner? Nobody knows what that word is. Inside the Dean Smith Center, all the usual suspects, double-double for Baycott, all the intangibles from Leaky Black, clutch plays from RJ Davis, nothing much from the bench. Clutch plays from Caleb Love, but also a career high in turnovers. You can find all of that in the box score. That's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is what I believe were the two most important things that happened on Monday night. You ready? This first one is going to be the most profound thing you've ever heard come from my lips. Brace yourself. The most important thing last night Carolina did. Carolina didn't lose. That's right. That is the most important thing. Now, again, I'm joking. Obviously, that's not profound, but here's why that's incredibly important. The win itself 
doesn't really do anything for Carolina's NCAA tournament resume. Louisville is, at, at for Carolina playing at home, that was a quad three game. So winning that game is really, it's nothing of consequence. But what's important is avoiding the loss there. I'll put it another way for you. Try this on for size. It's not a quad one win, but it's also not a quad three loss. Uh, we know, if you listen to any sports anything last week when Carolina lost to Pittsburgh, uh, picking up a, what's currently a quad four loss, so damaging. And that's all we would be hearing about from all over the country. Oh, Carolina can't do it. They're not going to make the tournament. Because that's all anybody wants to talk about this time of year is bracketology, right? Yes, we know that. So, perhaps it's easier to think of last night's game and the two upcoming games, NC State and Syracuse, more as, instead of must-wins, <laughs> let's think of them as can't-loses, right? Uh, obviously, you want to win them, but it's just more important to not lose, to just hold serve against who you're supposed to hold serve against. Because ultimately, uh, I said this on yesterday's podcast, it's not going to matter from an NCAA tournament resume standpoint if Carolina beats Duke or not. Everybody wants to beat Duke. How great would that be for Carolina fans to beat Coach K in his final regular season game? But from an NCAA tournament standpoint, what matters is not losing to Louisville last night, not losing to NC State on Saturday, and not losing to Syracuse next Monday, and then probably also needing to win, or not rather not lose, the first game you play in the ACC tournament. So, the most important thing that happened last night, Carolina didn't lose. Second most thing that was part of this game is that it was Carolina's 20th win of the season on the flip side of not losing. In fact, that's the second, 62nd time in Carolina history that the Tar Heels have reached 20 games in a season. And I know that that feels like kind of like, okay, yeah, cool, great, 20 wins, yeah, yawn, 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 yawn. But here's why I bring it up. I am so sick and tired of hearing whining from all over the place about Coach Davis not being able to do it and not bringing it together and yada, yada, yada. The man just got to 20 wins in his first season as a head coach in the ACC. So, you know, maybe let me just make this suggestion. Perhaps sometimes our expectations are just a little too lofty because we're a prisoner of the moment. Right? Like we think, oh, well, look at, look at all these things that happen, all these great programs, uh, doing all these big, massive things, when sometimes we forget to see the forest for the trees. Yes, the past couple years haven't been up to Carolina standards, but think of all the number one seeds within the past five years. Think of the three national championships uh, dating in less than two decades, right? Like that's insane. And so let's let's keep that in perspective. Hubert Davis is doing great things. To that end of of not letting our expectations get too lofty, where we think things aren't happening. Again, yes, I know they haven't beaten the top end teams they've played this year, but but hear this. Let me give you just a little historical context for all of us. To, to soak in. Ready? This is from ESPN Stats and Info. Hubert Davis is just the fourth ACC coach to win 20 games in their first season as head coach over the last 25 seasons. 
Again, in the last 25 seasons, Hubert Davis is only the fourth coach to win 20 ACC games in his first uh, season as a head coach. So he might not be up to Dean Smith or Roy Williams level yet in terms of Dean Smith and Roy Williams at their peak, but as I've said before on this podcast, he is certainly at Dean Smith and Roy Williams year one level, right? Like, can we all agree on that? Where Hubert Davis is now is on par, it's commensurate with where Dean Smith and Roy Williams were at their beginning. And and here's something I don't get. Why, why can't we just be happy for the things that are going well? Why does everything have to be negative? Let's cheer this on. Carolina has 20 wins in the midst of, of trying to figure out COVID and everything else that's happening. That's stinking awesome. All right. I'll get off it. I'm sorry. (sighs) Okay. Cole Anthony missed his second dunk of the NBA All-Star dunk contest. And you know what? It was awesome. What? What? That makes zero sense. (laughs) I'll explain in just a minute. But first... Let me tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is full go. The NBA is coming off of All-Star Weekend, and it's going to pick back up on Thursday. And Selection Sunday is now less than three weeks away. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as all the latest coverage from the Olympics that just wrapped up. If you need to see anything else about that, you can find it there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we get to Cole Anthony, and before we leave last night's game against Louisville, let me give you my shady stat of the game. Remember, after every Carolina basketball game, I'm going to give to you a shady stat of the game that I think was one of the most important statistical factors. And this is actually going to be the shady stat of the games. Why is that? Well, it's actually something that ties together the Virginia Tech game and this Louisville game. And that stat is 8 for 8. Caleb Love over the past two games, is 8-for-8 on one-and-one opportunities from the free-throw line in the final minute of the game. That is insanely difficult under that type of pressure. Close game, you're going to the line. If you want to get a second shot, you got to hit the first one. And, of course, some of that was in the hostile environment in Blacksburg. But on Saturday against the Hokies, Caleb Love had, uh, we talked about it, had three opportunities for one-and-ones, hit all six of those shots, and then again last night versus Louisville had another one-and-one opportunity and hit both of those. So he is eight for eight. And in fact, in in those two games, as a team, the Tar Heels have shot 24 of 28 from the free throw line. That's 85.7%. Man, a number like that has to give Coach Davis and the staff enormous confidence in Carolina getting to the stripe. They just got to keep getting there. In fact, for the season, Carolina is is sitting still at 75% as a team from the free throw line. If the season ended today, it would be the third highest team free throw percentage in recorded UNC history, and that's dating back to 1952-53 on when, on when they first started tracking free throws. So... Crazy. Eight for eight. Love it. Way to go, Mr. Caleb Love. And now let's move from our current guard, lead guard at Carolina, 
to one of the previous ones. Cole Anthony. Wow, what a guy. Uh, he had an unspectacular performance in the Rising Stars game, the Clorox Rising Stars game. Remember we talked about that last week? He had a rather un underwhelming dunk contest showing, but it was awesome. Because, why? Let me tell you. So in the Rising Stars game, if you're not sure what that was, we talked about it last week, if you want to go back and listen, but there were four teams of Rising Stars. NBA rookies, NBA sophomores, and a few from uh, the Ignite League. And so, uh, in in this game, each uh, team played a semifinal, and the two winners played a final. They were doing the Elam ending to 50 points in the semifinals and to 25 points in the finals. So, uh, Mr. Cole Anthony scored a whopping four points, and his team lost. But you know what? That's not what people remember. They don't remember who won. They don't remember who the MVP of these games were. It was Cade Cunningham, for what it's worth. Here's what people do remember. At the end of Cole Anthony's semifinal game, his team had a breakaway. His Orlando Magic teammate, Jalen Suggs, threw an alley-oop off the backboard and Cole Anthony slammed down something more ridiculous and vicious than anything anybody saw on Saturday night in the dunk contest. That's what people remember, and that's what people are talking about. Or when a player, I don't even remember who it was now, from the other team was shooting a free throw to win that semifinal game, Cole Anthony pulled his shorts down on national TV, and everyone's looking at his underwear. So, from those Rising Star games, that's the two things that people are talking about on social media and takeaways. Cole Anthony's dunk and Cole Anthony's underwear. Or how about the slam dunk contest? You know what? Sure thing. Obi Toppin won, and, and some people are going to remember that. But do you know what most people are remembering from the slam dunk contest? There was this one guy that started off the dunk contest by taking off what he was wearing, like his overshirt, and he was wearing his dad's Knicks jersey. That's right, Cole Anthony was wearing Greg Anthony's Knicks jersey for the slam dunk contest. And then, he opened up a brand new box of Timberland boots and put those on to dunk in. And then he he dunked, it took him three or four attempts, but finally he got there. And frankly, it was underwhelming because it took him so long. And then, he for his second dunk, he, he tried this other one, and as I have already alluded to, he, he never made it. It would have been insane if he had made it, but he didn't. But people don't remember that. What people are remembering is the Timberlands and the jersey and the show of it all, because he's a showman. And, you know, here's the other thing. On that national TV broadcast, we're seeing K.J. Smith, who's now a commentator on the ACC Network. He's there, he's hanging out. He had tweeted out, uh, might be helping the Cole at the Cole Anthony in the dunk contest tonight. All of this, all of this that Cole Anthony did, all this FaceTime, yes, he is a player for the Orlando Magic, but when all these recruits are watching this, they know that he went to North Carolina. So everything that happened at All-Star Weekend, Cole Anthony scoring a whopping four points, big deal. Cole Anthony's team losing, who cares? Cole Anthony not making his second dunk, not a big deal because we're seeing all this peripheral stuff and like it or not, that's what a lot of recruits care about. So what did Carolina gain? Why is this a big deal? Cole Anthony being in uh, taking part in these all-star game activities. It is what I'll call recruiting capital. 
everything that happened is going to be a, a big old fat feather in Hubert Davis's cap when he goes out on the recruiting trail. You want to do those things you saw Cole Anthony doing? You come to Chapel Hill. You come be part of that. You know why? Every recruit saw that. They are dialed in. They're tuned in. They're seeing these things on social media. They're they're watching those games on, on Friday night, the, the Rising Stars game. They're watching the dunk contest, all of that. And they're seeing Cole Anthony, and they want to be Cole Anthony. You know how you take the first step to being Cole Anthony, aside from being Greg Anthony's son? You come to the University of North Carolina and be part of that family and what's going on. So, why was it so important that Cole Anthony was there? Because it's going to help on the recruiting trail, and it's going to keep an influx of high-level talent coming to Chapel Hill. Bada-bing, bada-boom, let's make that happen. Well, Michigan coach Juwan Howard, uh, you know what? He lacks self-control. We're going to talk about uh, that Michigan man in just a moment, right after I tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's nearly impossible for your local auto parts store to stock everything you need. Why have to go through all those questions that you know you don't know the answers to? Uh, is your pilot, your Honda pilot, is it an EX, an EXL, an LX, or a Touring? And then you wait while a salesman tries to find the parts to order. Why would you want to do that when you could just go to rockauto.com and find it for yourself? Rock Auto is a family business serving, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. That consistency is something you can believe in. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and their inventory has everything you need. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for all your auto part needs. Brake pads, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet for your car. How rad is that? I need some new carpet. Maybe I should go look on rockauto.com. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you from Locked On. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Well, as promised, heading into this last section of today's show, I'm going to give you the answer to today's Trivia Tuesday. As a, as a reminder, here is the question or the, or the trivia. I want you to name the top 10 three point sh- made three-point shooters of all time in Carolina history. And as a reminder, it's nine people because somebody's on this list twice. So who are the who are the nine Tar Heels who have made the most three-pointers in a single season? Ready? I'm going to go in reverse order, and there is actually a tie at the bottom between the father of somebody we just talked about. Kenny Smith made 87. Donald Williams is also on the list with 87 right there at the bottom. Uh, And then in 2012-13, Reggie Bullock made 88, tied with him in 2016-17. Boy, that was a good year. Joel Berry also made 88, so that's the first four. Moving on up the list, P.J. Hairston in 2012-13 made 89. So that's teammates, Reggie Bullock and P.J. Hairston in the same year making 88 and 89 threes. That's pretty ridiculous. Keep going up the list. Now we get to the point where we find out who our double up person is. You ready? Any guesses before I say it? It's Joel Berry. Joel Berry is the only player on this list twice. And in 2017-18, he made 93 threes. 
Moving on up, we're up to number four now. In 2014-2015, Marcus Page had 94 made threes. Going way back to 1996-97. Way back. That's not way back for people like me, but for anybody young out there listening, I know that feels way back. Uh, That's going to be none other than Shamond Williams with 95 three-pointers made. That's so crazy to think about in 1996-97, making that many. Number two on this list He was at the Louisville game last night. Current Phoenix son, Cam Johnson, made 96 threes in the 2018-19 season. And number one, the only Tar Heel to ever make 100 or more threes in a single season, that national championship season, uh, teammates with somebody else on this list, Joel Berry made 88 in 2016-17, but at the very top of this list is none other than Mr. Justin Jackson. 105 made threes in 2016-17, ACC Player of the Year that gets his jersey up in the rafters. So that is Trivia Tuesday for this week. Now, as I said, we're going to move into talking about Jawan Howard. And I know, listen, this is a Carolina podcast. But sometimes I think there's a few national sports stories out there that just warrant attention everywhere. And, And I'll say this. If you'll just stick with me for a couple minutes, I promise you I'm going to bring this back around to Carolina and how it affects Carolina. Deal? Deal. Okay, awesome. Stick with me. Some of you might be saying, what on earth did Juwan Howard do? What's going on? Can you tell me this? Well, uh, Juwan Howard, you probably know, head coach at Michigan. On Sunday afternoon, Michigan was playing at Wisconsin. And a lot of Carolina fans might have been tuning into that game, cheering for Michigan, in fact, because if Michigan wins, then that, that Carolina victory over Michigan might sneak back into Q1 territory. Alas, it was not meant to be Wisconsin had their way with the Wolverines. So here's what happened. The game is essentially over. We're in the last minute, but Jawan Howard, for some inexplicable reason, is pressing Wisconsin's walk-ons who were in the game. Again, this is the final minute of a blowout that he's losing and he's pressing. So Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard calls timeout because the the press is getting into uh, where Wisconsin's almost going to have one of those 10-second backcourt violations. And so he calls a timeout because that resets that 10-second timer and then they can get the ball in. So uh, this timeout upsets Jawan Howard. You can even see it on the broadcast. He looks over at Coach Gard when he calls the timeout and kind of smirks at him a little bit. So, when the game does finally end in in the next minute or two, as they pass by after Jawan Howard actually didn't even come to the handshake line at first, but eventually did, and as they were passing by one another, the head coaches, he pulls down his mask, and you can see him to say something similar to, I'll remember that, referring to Coach Guard calling the timeout. Now, here's where Coach Guard could just laugh and go on and, and nothing happens but no, he chirps back, and, and whether it's just wanting to explain it or talk about it or it riles him up that Coach Howard's upset, um, he chirps back, and eventually this scrum ensues between both teams. Assistant coaches get in, players get in. It's a whole thing, and um, some uh, Wisconsin assistant, uh, who knows what he said, but he comes in, and eventually Jawan Howard takes a swipe at him with his right hand. Uh, it looks like he pretty plainly obviously made contact, and that uh, has now landed, landed Jawan Howard with a fat suspension. It came out on Monday night. 
uh, that Juwan Howard is suspended for the rest of the regular season, also has to pay out a $40,000 fine, and then Coach Greg Gard is also fined $10,000. And so uh, both of these guys are, are being held at least to some level of culpability. There's also suspensions for a few players. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm at with this whole deal. Jawan Howard is upset because of the timeout. And I get that. That's cool. Like, it's like, just who cares if you get a turnover? The game's going to end. You're up by double digits. It's cool. But here's my thing. Greg Gard wouldn't have had to take that timeout if Jawan Howard wasn't pressing him in the first place. So Jawan Howard's whole argument falls in on itself because he's upset about somebody trying to still play the game when the game is still being played, when in fact it's his fault that the game is still being contested at a high level. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense to me. So here's what we know about basketball. In any game, it's ultimately up to the coach that is trailing to, to determine when to call off the dogs, right? Like, hey, we are now at a place where this lead is insurmountable. Uh, let's not foul anymore, or let's put in our, our subs, our, our walk-ons, and, and we'll call it off. But he hadn't done that. We're pressing the walk-ons with under a minute left. And so Howard didn't quit playing, and so Greg Gard didn't either. He's like, okay, you're going to press me. I'm going to call a timeout. To me, that seems like fair thing to do. Now, is Greg Gard blameless in this whole thing? Absolutely not. And that $10,000 fine says that he's not blameless. Uh, He made some bad decisions as well. But ultimately, to me, this is so much pinned on Jawan Howard and what he did. It's completely out of line. And it's not his first offense of this type. Like, he's had other issues with other Big Ten coaching staffs. And so for me, there's just simply no room for this kind of thing from coaches in athletics at any level, from peewee or little league or whatever, on up through the professional ranks. But especially from a college coach who is an alum of the school coming back to coach there, who is supposed to be modeling uh, this type of, of healthy, good behavior for his young men, or if it's a, a women's team, for the young women. Juwan Howard forgot that responsibility and acted differently. And here's where I bring it back around to Carolina. You know who didn't do this? Do, didn't do that in a very similar scenario? Hubert Davis. Just one day before, at the end of the Carolina Virginia Tech game, as Coach Davis and um, Virginia Tech coach Mike Young came together, it looked like Coach Young was riled up about something. I, I thought about asking Coach Davis about this in post game, but didn't end up doing it. And so I, I, I probably should have because I'd, I'd love to know what that conversation was. But it looked like there was something that Coach Young was upset about. And did Coach Davis get all humpty bumpty, I'm upset and huffing and puffing? No. Did the situation blow up? No. Did Hubert Davis blow up? No. In fact, to the contrary, he diffused whatever situation was going on and the two went on about their merry way. Now, it could just be there was nothing Coach Young was upset about and that's just his general demeanor as he looks like he's upset. If so, great, whatever, fine. But I'm just here to say... If Coach Davis had been Greg Gard in that situation, it doesn't escalate. He just keeps walking. 
not because he's afraid of confrontation or because he can't handle it, but because he knows what hills to die on. If Juwan Howard wants to go and be silly and make dumb choices, let Juwan Howard do that. But that's not what Coach Davis is going to do. This is the type of individual you want running your team. It's someone you don't have to worry about because you know they aren't going to be making headlines on the regular, on the daily, or whenever it is for making silly choices or some outlandish comment that that doesn't need to be done. It's kind of like uh, what take the political situation out of it. When when President Trump was president, it felt like every day we were hearing some kind of controversial something. I just I don't want to have to sit and think about the president every day. I, I'm appreciative of of the job the president does, but I don't need to hear about it every day. And it's that same kind of thing. Like I, Coach Davis, he's going to be a good and decent man doing good and decent things. So what do we learn out of this situation from Jawan Howard? How how could we in our lives, in our professions, or whatever we do, take take something out of this to to better ourselves? Here's what I would say. Be patient, be peaceful, be gracious, and seek to listen and understand before jumping to conclusions. That's the Carolina way. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels, and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. That's one S, two A's in Isaac, and there's a C in Shade between the S and the H. If you want to talk more uh, about the show or anything we've talked about, or you'd like to send in a story for uh, where do you go about uh, our, our Woody Durham stories, you can do that at LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to tell a friend. Bring them along, have them subscribe, and join in to these conversations. Coming up tomorrow, Coach Mac Brown has a pre-spring practice press conference uh, that's going to take place on Tuesday this afternoon. So we're going to talk about it on Wednesday's show, hear what he had to say and what we have to look forward to. We're going to talk about some of the other Carolina spring sports and the success that they're already having, and I'll update you on where the ACC basketball things are headed over the course of the final week and a half. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. Now I want to encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like every other show on the Locked On podcast family. Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday talking Carolina sports with me. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace! Peace!